Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Brian Anderson a little bit later in the show. Andrew Brandt as well, Sports Illustrated, former agent and front office executive for the Packers. I hope everyone had a great week this week. It's, uh, you know, next week is the NFL Combine. What were the big headlines this week? Obviously, we've got college basketball going on. The Cavaliers dropped back on the floor last night. Uh, around town, you got spring sports that just kind of started. So um, it seems weird, though, in February, too. Like, somebody's telling me their kid already got cut from a baseball team. I've seen it's February 23rd high school kid already got cut I've seen way more of every baseball player than I've ever wanted to oh yeah what's that we'll we'll get into that a little bit all right that seems just I was looking at some of the pictures and I was like what is what what is wrong with Major League Baseball what is wrong with them (laughs) where do we begin I mean how long do we have I don't know four hours is enough all right I want to go back and I might need therapy after uh, you're going to need therapy after this next conversation. Here it is. So, you know, we sit here and we talk about Deshaun Watson. And I know it's February 23rd. And I'm laughing about getting cut from a baseball season that's about to come up. And in reality, maybe I'm, I should be laughing at myself for talking about the Browns right now. But I, I just I wonder how the front office is looking at what they have in front of them. And as every day goes by and every day we wait to see Deshaun Watson come back, he's supposed to schedule to start throwing again next month. You know, you have to wonder the success of Joe Flacco, how that influences and how that is now maybe perhaps buried in the back of some folks' minds, I, especially fans too. You know, the hard-paying, uh, the, you know, the hard-paying, hard-working paying customers of the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, we saw so much success with Flacco, except for that little uh, thing that kind of cost us a playoff game when you go back-to-back pick sixes, which is not good and might be more reality than everything else that we saw during all of this run of 300-yard games. I mean, Joe was pretty good at finding the other team while he was here, yet he was also pretty good at trying to help this team win games and knowing that he was coming in fresh. The question becomes... Where are we with Deshaun Watson? I, I mean, we still haven't seen a full game, a full season from him yet. And big investment, you know, where is he? 
There are a lot of folks out there, if you listen to him, they try to, if you're trying to rate him against other quarterbacks in the NFL, he's like not even on the list. So what, what, the morning show this morning interviewed Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to make sure I have this right. All right, set this bite up. So, you know what? I'll have Ken set it up. Oh, boy. Does anyone really want to hear that, or are we just kind of going on blind faith? No, nobody wants to hear that because we're fans. <laughs> I mean, is that the reality that fans need to hear? Yeah. He's not wrong. I mean, anything, everything that was said in there is not wrong. Joe Flacco shouldn't have come in and completely rolled the way that he did. That's not how the NFL works. Like, that's why it was such an anomaly. That's why everybody bought into the story as much as they did, because it shouldn't have worked. It should have completely flopped. It should have completely fell apart. What it told you was, A, the guy probably should have been in the league, but B, that defense was unreal. It's nuts that an offense that was built around the idea of we're going to take a whole bunch of deep shots and we're basically going to hope that we complete 40% of them. And if we turn it over, we turn it over. But the best way for this team to win is to have somebody come in and throw 10 deep shots a game and hope to complete four of them. Because if we complete four of them, even if two of them are picks, if we complete four of them, we have enough confidence in our defense that we can win any game that we need to 17 to 10, 21 to 13. I don't know. Anytime you're over, once you hit that third turnover, you probably should lose your game. Right. Absolutely. And Joe Flacco had a couple of those along the way. But everything Sam Munson said here was right. What it told you last season was that you had an unbelievable defense. And we all knew that. We talked about it a good chunk of the season long going, holy mackerel, this defense is just all world. They're they're coming after everybody. They're causing all sorts of fits. They're playing, you know, the simplest defense possible, and they're playing faster than anybody else in the league. That your offense could just sputter the way that it did. I mean, let's be real honest. Sean Watson was fine last year. I mean, he he completed 61% of his passes. Seven touchdowns, four interceptions. 6.6 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. It's all very fine. He had nine drops during the season. Okay, you can point that to him as well. He had a little bit of pressure. He ran around a little bit on top of it. And a passer rating of 84.8. I mean, you don't need to be a mathematician for me to tell you. That's fine, if not sub-fine. So why do you think Joe Flacco was able to have so much success in the Browns offense compared to Deshaun Watson? And by the way, Watson's success is equal to Flacco's. You talked about completion rate, 61.4 and 60.3. Absolutely. Who had the better completion rate? Watson. But still. By a a hair. In the modern NFL, 61% doesn't exactly light the world on fire. Well, the other part of it, though, is, and I know you don't want to talk about that, is QB records, right? Flacco had five chances. He won four. Watson had six chances. He won five. I, I, I agree with you on this win-loss record doesn't mean anything for a quarterback because I yeah, because you're not taking into consideration the other two thirds of the game, special teams and defense. You know, but Flacco was able to have four hundred almost four yeah, four hundred uh five five hundred five hundred yards more 
in the air than Watson with only 18 more attempts, 18 more completions. Why? Why was Flacco able to brim with success when Watson essentially did the same numbers except for getting into the end zone as Flacco? So why why are we sitting – why do things seem so much different? Because one guy came off the couch and another guy is getting $40 million a year. That's it? That's the only reason why you think we're in this scenario that we're in? Because I think deep down, Browns fans watched that offense all season long and and in places that you don't want to talk about, said, this offense can't go where we need it to go. This offense can't get to a Super Bowl. This offense can't get to an AFC Championship game. And we're probably saying that to themselves the whole season, except for one half against the Baltimore Ravens. Where they went, oh, okay, this is clicking. This is starting to look good. We're starting to figure this out a little bit. Now, yes, it was checkdowns and screen passes and yards after catch and all that stuff for the for the people out there who want to use that argument. Like, yeah, it's a valid one. It's there. But that second half of the Raven game, it clicked in. Everyone went, oh, okay. I can get behind this. This works. And then it came crashing down. And then you saw DTR in there. And then you saw PJ Walker in there. And then Joe Flacco came in, and it became a feasible, usable NFL offense. But still not one good enough to get you where you want to go. So you paid f- whatever it is. I, I think it's, I'm using $40 because I don't remember off the top of my head what Watson's making. But you paid all this money for a quarterback, and you gave all of this power to him along the way of how you want to sh- shape this. And we are now this year going to be four years removed from the guy that you gave all of that up for. Has it been four years? It's been four years since 2020. This this will be this will be year four. Do you buy into success rate? Because you know that's a stat that Pro Football Reference uses, where you know I, I'm looking at these numbers are virtually, they're especially when you come to completion percentage, virtually the same. Yet somehow, some way, Flacco was able to find the end zone 13 times, and Watson was only able to find it seven in one more game. But the success rate of Flacco compared to Watson is significant. Flacco was 46.7, and Watson was 38.3. I mean, it's a big deal when you're talking about having success rate and, and being able to you know throw the ball down the field. The one that kills me is the interceptions. Flacco with eight, and then Watson had four. Right. But that was how that offense was built. I mean, think of the amount of – I mean, I, I could pull up. You know what? I'll do it in the break. I'll get you the amount of passes that are thrown more than 20 yards down the field between Joe Flacco and Deshaun Watson. It's two completely different things. And if Watson can't turn it around and Watson doesn't start to make this look better and play better than what we've seen to this point, it becomes a serious question mark. And Sam Munson had a great answer from PFF on that that we'll get to in the next one as well. All right. I want to hear that when we come back because – I'm just curious. You heard what, what Munson had to say. We'll play it for you again. Is that a reality check that Browns fans need to be listening to? Baskin and Phelps, Jeff is not here today. Dan Menigan is. We're thankful for that. So is Andrew Hody, who's answering the phones at 
474-0092. Let's go back to our conversation. Sam Munson, Pro Football Focus, was on the morning show. Um, and we asked the question, is he giving us a reality check of Deshaun Watson? Should we be listening to him? And what made things harder was Joe Flacco's success. So what else do we have over there, Mr. Menneken? Well, so to get back, I looked up the numbers real quick. So on throws over 20 yards, Deshaun Watson threw 23 of them. He completed eight, 34.8%, uh, two touchdowns, one interception on those throws. Hmm. And this is all according to our friends at Pro Football Focus. Okay. Joe Flacco on deep throws, 29 attempts, 13 of them complete, 44%, four touchdowns, four interceptions. On medium throws, which is 10 to 19 yards, Joe Flacco had 61 of those. He completed 35 of them, five touchdowns, two interceptions. On the Deshaun Watson front, 30 of those attempts, 17 completions, 56.7, one touchdown, one interception. So they clearly pushed the ball down the field with Joe Flacco at the helm. Now also – Watson had a little bit, you know, he had Nick Chubb as well, where, you know. For what, one game? One and change. Yeah. But still had something to it. All but right. They definitely it, it, changed a philosophy and decided to push the ball down the field with Joe Flacco. All right, let me go back I, because, you know, Munson talked, and, and, and I'm. let me ask the original question to you. Is that a reality check? Do Browns fans need to be listening to Munson? Yes. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel great going into next year, like going, okay, Deshaun Watson's going to jump back. Let's go. Like, so it's, it's blind faith to sit here and go, Deshaun Watson is going in the right direction. He was 5-1 and one as a starting quarterback. Why are we even questioning this? Okay, let's, let's, let's put first, let's put the quarterback record thing to bed. Okay? okay, to bed. I'm going to give you two sets of stats. They are both from the same season. Okay. Two completely different quarterbacks. Okay? Okay? Yep. The first guy, his team went 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay. He threw 18 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Okay? Okay. Had a completion percentage of 56% on the season, a QBR of 45.5. Ooh, that's okay? bad. Yeah. All right? 8-8 eight and eight is his team went for that one. Okay. The second guy, his team went 13-3. and three. I like this guy. 54.6% completion percentage. Yep, better than the first guy. 23 touchdowns. Okay. 20 interceptions. Ooh, that's bad. A QBR of 48.9. About the same QBR, right? The first guy was Brett Favre that year, and the year is 2006. That is 2006 Brett Favre. Did they make the playoffs at 8-8 eight eight there? No. Uh, I don't believe so. I'm trying to remember. Brett Favre? Favre, yes. Pronounced Favre. Gotcha. The second guy, the one whose team went 13-3? and three, Yeah. Rex Grossman. Who would you rather have, Brett Favre or Rex Grossman? That year, Rex Grossman. Are you high? That year? <laughs> All this All I said was that year. They were two. Are, are, you, are you growing things in the closet that you want to talk about and how you can help these dome teams learn how to grow grass indoors? No, but you know who can. <laughs> the guy that replaced Brett Favre. <laughs> All right, that was well done. That's, Thank you. That's, Thank you. You, take a, you take a bow for that one. Let's put quarterback wins to bed, okay? I don't think anybody would take Rex Grossman over Brett Favre. But that season you might have, uh, right? We can, like, can we be really honest? That season you might have. Uh, and as crazy as it seems to say that, right, that season you may have. True or false? 
you would take Brett Favre that season. You would take at Brett eight Favre. And eight. You would take Brett Favre that season. Yes. Yes. I, I, Brett if, Favre is better you, than Rex Grossman. I know, but if you took the names away, you'd take Rex Grossman. Brett Favre is better than Rex Grossman. Yeah, I'm not questioning <laughs> that. Yeah, I, but you are. No, what I'm You're saying to you is. This. I'm telling you that if this isn't proof that quarterback win total, that giving quarterbacks the win total out of all of this is absolute hogwash, I don't know what is. Rex Grossman is not a good quarterback. He never was. Okay, I'm not. Even that season, you would. No. Would you have taken his team that year then? Yes, because his defense was unbelievable. His right. special teams was unbelievable. It's the same thing we're sitting through with the Browns. Okay, the defense was but Grossman had. And look, I don't. Again, I don't ever think that I would ever want Rex Grossman over him. But he had to be decent enough to do half the job to get them to thirteen wins that year. You got to give the guy a little credit for the one season, right? Unless the defense scored all the points that season, did they? The defense scored a lot. of. I mean, the running game was good, too. They had Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson that year as well. Okay. Again, this was the Bears team that made the Super Bowl in 2006 with Rex Grossman at the helm. I got to tell you, man, if the Browns made a Super Bowl with a guy like Rex Grossman in the same year, that Bra- I'd take Rex Grossman for the year. They're- Sorry. One year for me to get to the Super Bowl once would be worth it. I don't care if um, I-, I don't care who the quarterback is. The defense that year was number one in turnovers. They forced 44 turnovers that year. They had 20 fumbles lost, which was first that year as well. The defense for the Bears that year was unbelievable. That was the the Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, you know, to throw it back there so everybody can kind of remember some of those guys. I do. Fuzzy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing with quarterback record is it's very, very simple to point at it and find – you know, it, you could look at quarterbacks and try to give these to them and go, oh, yeah, well, this guy's better because he was 5-1. and two, one. Well, that completely eliminates your defense. It completely eliminates your special teams. All right, Joe's in Mayfield Lights. Hi, Joe. And Joe. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, good morning to you, man. Joe. Hey, listen, I just want to make a real quick comment on all these comparisons and everything. Now, before I do, though, I just want to reiterate, I am not against Deshaun Watson. Trying to sign him in the very get-go, he made it clear he didn't want to come to Cleveland. Who? He took a big – Deshaun Watson. If you remember in the very – He said, the, the I don't want to come started. here, and then Baker was exactly. like, wait a minute, why would you want to bring somebody else in? And then exactly. they talked about flying him to Jimmy or Jimmy to go see him, and he was like, I don't want to see you. And, the next, and then he wrote that social media posting, get me out of here, or thank you, Browns fans. And Yeah, I remember it all. Exactly. Now, with that being said, he took a big contract, came here to play, and, and my opinion was – really built a physical football. I mean, yeah, he runs the ball and blah, blah, blah. And we've all seen guys in the past, you know, with the exception of Lamar Jackson and, and, and Michael Vick, you know, guys like this are going to spend the majority of the time on the bench with injuries. Now, the comparison thing I want to bring a point up to nobody's talking about is Deshaun Watson really didn't have the rapport with our receivers. If you noticed, when Flacco started playing, Najoku, yeah. Cooper, they, they all clicked with him instantly. Mm-hmm. So what, what does that actually tell you about – I'm not saying Flacco's our answer. Flacco's going to be 39 years old. Right. He's not our answer. But at the moment, if you, if you said to me – if I had any kind of decisions, yes, influence, if you said to me, who would you like to be our starting quarterback at the beginning of the year? You'd be nuts not to say Joe Flacco. 
And I'm gonna I'm just gonna hang up with that being said and let you guys discuss it. And Thank you, John. Appreciate it, John. Yeah, it's almost like a blind taste test. Remember how they would do yes. Coke and Pepsi? Oh yeah. And I get you know trying to figure out the, what was what. The thing that the Browns need more than anything else this off season is the thing that they can't go out and get. The thing that the Browns need more than anything else this off season is for their quarterback that they gave up as much as they did to look at least. 80%, 90% of the guy that we saw in 2020 with the Houston Texans on a 4-12 and crummy team but had an offense that hummed and could make something out of nothing. Or even if you want to point to 2019 and how good he was that year as well. The Browns need that guy to show up. That's what they – that's the offseason addition. It's that simple. Hmm. Dirty Dan, Dirty Dan, how you doing? How are you, man? Good, how are you guys? What's up? Doing well. Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to call in because I've, I've had this thought on my mind for a while, and I think that I'm not alone in it. And it's that, you know, when we first traded for Deshaun, you know, I was all all in, you know, love it. I, I see that play of him against Buffalo breaking the sack, and I, I want him, I want him. But just as time goes on, I'm like, uh, I, I, it's not that I miss Baker or that I want, you know, that I say Joe Flacco should be our quarterback next year because that's just not true. But I'm starting to, you know, Deshaun is, is, is making me mad. He's making me mad, and he's very frustrating. I wish it could be going better. I hope it goes better next year. I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Dan, you're, you're right where I am. I mean, that's that's exactly how I feel, is it's like, okay, you, we're four you, years you, removed you from this, bud. Is this going to show up soon? For like, the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. But, you know, hopefully I, I just don't feel great about next year. Like, I I don't know. It's a hard thing, but hopefully he bounces back. I I don't know, guys. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm at a loss for words, but Agree have a good day, Dan. guys. Agreed, Dirty Dan, and, and I'll – Later. We all want him to bounce back because if he bounces back, the Browns win. The Browns win games if Deshaun Watson bounces back. I, I, I think Dirty Dan reflects a good portion of Browns fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's and, just a weird spot for us to be. What else did Munson have to say? Well, and he kind of talked about, hey, it's you know, it's that simple. Deshaun Watson just needs to play better. Hmm. Yeah. 100% yes. And that's the whole thing that drove me so up the wall when everybody was, you know, where the what it what is it was, it was a podcast or something like that that he was on, and he goes, "Well, I don't like the designed plays, and I don't like the structures and all of that kind of stuff." I was like, "I don't like that you're not playing better. Like, I don't like you missing wide open receivers. I, I don't like all of these things that are taking place with this offense that need to be fixed. It's almost like they're trying to grasp at some kind of other straw." To go, oh, yeah, this is why the success isn't there. It's like, dude, you just got to play better. It's it's very, very simple. You just need to be better than what you've been. You need to throw to receivers who who are open on the field. You need to play within the structure because the structure has shown with multiple other quarterbacks that you have receivers running wide open down the field. Like, some of this falls on your shoulders. Hmm. All right, a little more with Sam Munson. We're going to play that for you. Coming up a little bit later in the show, Andrew Brandt, Brian Anderson, make Jeff Thomas do it. Got some things we got to work through, too. Uh, There's a little dilemma. We'll explain that when we come back.
216-474-0092. It's Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menick. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jeff Thomas, do it. We'll do that in about 20 minutes. Um, Sam Munson was on the morning show from Pro Football Focus. Kind of a reality check maybe that we should be looking at or at least thinking about with Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying that it changes my mind about how successful I think he can be with this team, um, but it's just one of those things that kind of crawls around in your head and you're like, is this guy right? I got to ask you a question, though, because this is an extremely important question because I think there are other people dealing with this issue. In our restroom, we have one of those uh, sinks where it's got the electric eye. Yes. And so I think the natural thing to do is you put your hands in there, you start rubbing them together like you were starting to wash your hands. As if there was water in your hands. Yeah. And I got to, I can't tell you how many times I sit there and I'm like trying to get that electric eye to trigger off the water so it'll come out so you can wash your hands. And it takes me forever to get the water to come out. And I'm like, okay, I finally got the water to come out. And I'm trying to get the soap off my hands. And, I'm, you know, you're trying to do the alphabet there. Trying to, you know, the right, whole thing. right. And you, as you're trying to do it, you're Is like. Is there a trick to getting an electric eye to trigger while you're trying to wash your hands. So, There's a plumber out there. Let me know. Yeah, I'd love I to hear ask from my you. uncle. He would probably. I'd love to hear from that person as well, just due to the fact that you know I always end up looking like a space alien who's faking his way through, you know, washing his hands. Yes, just because I'm trying to fit in. But instead, and then you got to do that weird like squat thing where you like move your hands up and down and up and yes, down, yes, trying yes, to yes. trying yes. to find where the eye is there on it. Yes, yes I'm with you. There's there's got to be some trick to this because you're a hundred percent right. It is the biggest pain in the butt where you're just sitting there. And you're like, okay, are my hands too high? Okay, what if I lower them? Okay, now I'm too low. Okay, now I got soap on my hands because I got it to go the first time to wet my hands. Now I got soap on my hands, and now I got to do the same dance all over again. I think that we're trained because of television remotes that, like, right, sometimes, like, you hit the remote, and you're trying to get the channel to change, and you know it doesn't change. So you automatically, your, your uh, natural instinct, your reflex, your muscle memory tells mm-hmm. you, I got to take the remote control and move it up or down to try to get the line for the infrared to line up 
so I can get that. And it's the same yep. thing when you're washing your hands. Yeah. Well, it, it's gotten better on modern remotes, but the older remotes used to do that all the time. And especially if you had a remote that had some wear and tear to it. Then you really had to do like the, okay, if I hit the upper left-hand corner of the channel up button and I hold it at a 45-degree angle toward the infrared, And then you got to stick your right arm up. out. Right. It might move up a channel or I'll have to hit it 18 times. All right, this is the make me feel really old segment. Do you remember when remote controls? I, there's no were, way. Were that. ourselves? Yes, I do remember that. Oh, do you remember having to get up? To oh, God, channel? yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I had to do that. Yeah, when when VCRs came out, they first came out. Oh. Like the best function wasn't exactly being able to tape what you were watching. It was the fact that there was a really, really, really long cord that you could plug into the VCR, sit on the couch, and be able to change the channel. It was remote control, but it wasn't infrared. Right. You never Now, that I don't remember. I okay. do not remember that one. But, like, my grandparents had an older TV where you used to have to get up and change the channel. You know, where it was I very much this. like. I hate this conversation because now it reminds me of having conversations with my dad where he'd be like, you know, Jack Graney, we'd sit around and listen to the Indians games on the radio because that was how we knew what was going on. And Jimmy Dudley had to read it off of a ticker tape. And I'm like, Dad, I just, and then would make up sound effects for, oh, look at that. It's a hit. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Gee, I mean, we live in this world where we want to know what's going on now. Immediately. Like, we want to know the pitch before it happens, and we can get it from our cell phone. And then you think back to what, I mean, they were sitting around. I used to tell the story. My dad would, he'd be able to pick up Detroit radio live upstairs in our house. For some reason, they had two radios at the time, like which was a big deal. Absolutely. And he could listen upstairs, and he could hear Detroit live when the, when the Indians played the Tigers. That's cool. And then my great-grandfather would be downstairs listening to the Cleveland station broadcasting the game, and my dad knew like an inning or two ahead what was going on because he was listening to it live. Because he downstairs, had a live out of Detroit. Yeah. And oh, so, that's cool. And he would play like the – he would, you know, he would, I think he's going to get a hit here, Grandpa. <laughs> And anybody that remembers my dad knows exactly that's like he would be totally into that and would have a lot of fun. All right, let's go back to Sam Munson now. Pro Football Focus, the reality check kind of of what he was saying as far as Deshaun Watson is concerned. So, especially going into the offseason this year, everybody's kind of looking at this Browns team and going, okay, where can they improve? What can they do? They got a couple of free agents that they got to look at. Darius Smith possibly not finding his way back onto this team. Uh, Shelby Harris, another one, Mo Hurst. There's there's some, you know, a couple free agents that are going to find their way out there. And so he kind of sets up a, a slightly glum outlook for the offseason for the Browns. I, I don't want to be salary cap guy. I don't that's think why, anybody wants to. Yeah, that's why we're going to talk You're to Andrew good. Brandt I at you, noon. Yeah, and he's good at that. Jonathan Peterson's pretty good at it, too. What does it mean every time they say kick the can down the road, kick the payments down the road? With the salary cap stuff. All right. What, so, is, what, is that, what does that mean? And as a fan, why should you care? Okay. So as a fan, let's start with the first part. Okay. Which is what does it mean when you kick the can down the road? So right. what you can do in the NFL collective bargaining agreement is you can take a chunk of that guaranteed salary and turn it into a signing bonus. But what you do is there's a ramification to that, which is that you take that guaranteed salary – and you basically spread it out across the rest of the contract. And what some teams will Whatever do, isn't paid? Is that what so you basically take that guaranteed salary, you move some of it to a signing bonus, and then the salary cap hit turns into, because it doesn't just disappear into thin air. Right. 
Right. You can't just make money go away. Right. We all we all know that. We've all done taxes. We've all watched enough movies. You can't make money just go away. And so what will happen is then you take that hit and you spread it out through the length of the rest of the contract. And what teams will do to lessen that is put what are known as void years on the end of the contract, a.k.a. dummy years. Basically, like, out of thin air going, okay, this is now a four-year contract, but on the books it's going to look like a six-year contract, which was the Browns have done with Deshaun Watson, so that they could spread that even thinner. So then that way, instead of taking monster hits, you lessen the amount of hit that you take. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So when you say kick the can down the road, that's what that is. And I'm using Watson as a, as a perfect example for it. So if you go to over the cap right now, Deshaun Watson next year will make $46 million as his base salary. On the end of his contract, he has a, a year in 2027 that is void. He is not under contract for that year. Okay. But he will make $8 million on the cap. That number will probably go up now that they're restructuring it that contract more that's money that's been kicked down the road correct and that's the can that you're talking about that's kicked down the road so that's but having to eat eight million compared to 46 million is night and day exactly gotcha so and you're basically just easing the pain you know you're you're basically saying like okay i would rather give you money on the tail end when you may not be here anymore to make this year's number lower what happens if you – I'm assuming that you want him to be here at the end, right? And so now you've got $8 million on a year that he's not here, right? I mean, if he's going to play the way that he's played here, he wants it for that amount of money. I don't want him for an extension. Would I'm, you? Well, it's it's not only Deshaun. I'm just talking about every Oh, you're player. talking in general. Okay. It's every player. Okay, okay. And then you – so then you still owe the $8 million plus then, and you continue mm-hmm. to kick down the road. Okay, yeah. I get it. And I mean, so, I mean, I got it before. I just like, I right. think there are a lot of fans that like sit here and they want to talk about touchdowns and they want to talk about rushing yards and they want to be engaged with their fantasy football thing. Exactly. And I don't think fans want to care about salary. No, cap. they don't. Fans want to hear why didn't we get T Higgins? Exactly. That's you're a hundred percent right. And then when you give the reason of why you didn't give T Higgins and it involves all sorts of cap schematics and rule and all of that kind of stuff. Everybody's eyes just gloss over. But the same I paid way that $20 and, for a beer. We can afford. Exactly. In the same way that when you were in 11th grade and sitting in geometry class and somebody was going, okay, find the sign of this angle. And you're like, when the, uh, I'm never going to use this. Why do I care? Like, that's what happens when you start talking cap stuff. With was people. that the third time I was sitting in the same geography? Uh, ge- yeah, geography. Geometry class, same thing. That's why I... I don't know. If you kept we, showing up to geography on accident, hoping it was geometry, outside of figuring out if there's a way that you could get a right angle out of going between country to country. I'm good with that. I'd much rather go to geography than geometry. Me too. Jeff is in Cleveland. Hi, Jeff. What's happening, Jeff? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey you, you know, you guys think too much, man. We do? It's not. It, it's, it's, it's not. Jeff, it's I've not. never been accused of that in my shot, entire man. life. Can I get it in writing? <laughs> It's not the shot. All the guys, all the football guys have spoken, and they're telling the Cleveland Browns, man, it's Miles Garrett we need to be building around. Not the shot. The shot going to get his, okay? Just like uh, Magic and Kareem. It wasn't Magic. It was actually Kareem. It wasn't Michael Jordan. It was Scottie Pippen. They said, well, it's okay, we'll let Michael get his, but we'll stop everybody else. But Scottie Pippen couldn't be stopped. We'll let uh, Magic it is, but we'll stop everybody else. 
everybody else. Uh, uh-huh. Kareem can be stopped. Well, that's just like uh, Deshaun. D- Jeff, and- Jeff, you do realize that Magic, Kareem, all these guys played yeah. both offense and defense? And, and Michael Jordan's better than Scottie Pippen. Yeah, yeah, and do you, and do you, even with, you don't even think Jordan would have won Kansas titles City, Even with Kansas else? City. It, it wasn't Kelsey. It was it was Mahomes, right? Well, but it first does it was Kelsey. Take I mean, 22. First it was Kelsey. If we're then, being real honest with ourselves, okay, we'll stop Kelsey and yeah. then we can win. No, Mahomes stepped this game up. What we about their defense stepping around. up? Yeah, but we need to be building around Miles Garrett. We got the best coach, the defensive coach. We got the best defensive player. Defenses win Super Bowls. And the gods are already spoken. Why are we still focusing on Deshaun so much? Because we got to get in the end zone, points. and we don't have any draft picks coming up. The key to football is scoring points. It's making a lot of money. Oh, we can have the best defense and get into the end zone. We can have the best defense and stop other teams and get into the end zone. We got it. I think we're missing the boat. We should be building around Miles Garrett. Well, did they not? The I mean, they yeah, handed him a they? massive contract. Yeah, and did you not see a significant upgrade? I mean, they, they basically they have three guys that can start uh, at defensive tackle. Miles, Double O, Zadarius. All three of those guys can That's start. That's what we yeah. need. That's what we well, need. Well, you're saying, we but you make it sound like they haven't done that yet. That way. Right? But they need to start thinking that now. It's saying, oh, okay, well, we, we're not going to get this guy because we need somebody to cover. We need somebody to help the shot. No. Deshaun's going to have to help himself. We paid him enough money for him to help himself. All right, Jeff. Thank you. Excuse me. I think he was partially onto something there, and then it just got lost in the mud. Oh, do you got any uh, Anison or? <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not. All right. I know. I, can I, I mean, two years ago, I think the argument on defense was fair, what he was saying there. But last year, they went out and they got Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson. Oboa Karankwa. Yeah, Oboa Karankwa. Shelby Harris. Mo Hurst turned into a, a very good defensive tackle. Alex, I mean, Alex Wright they drafted. But, uh-huh. I mean, they went out and got those guys. They so went it's and not signed like, Juan Thornhill to shore up the back end to give more time for Miles Garrett to get to the quarterback. They brought in guys that know how to win Super Bowls. Uh-huh. What am I missing? Like, I, you can't fairly sit here and say, the Browns really, they, they need to start doing something for Miles Garrett. I got I, really confused when he said that they – they let's they shut down Scottie Pippen because he was better than Michael Jordan. That was the one I was like, okay, we're we're done here. You know who can end <laughs> my pain? You know what's better than taking uh, a headache reliever? Now. Jeff Thomas is, and he will join us next right here. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3. The fan Dan Menigan is in today. So we are having all, all sorts of fun here on Baskin and Phelps. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, Andrew Brandt, Sports Illustrated, former agent, front office executive for the Packers, is going to join us at high noon. All right, uh, major dilemma for Major League Baseball players right now. They are concerned, and the concern is see-through uniforms. Not much is being Did left just to the imagination. See-through uniforms. Like, what is going on here? you got to be kidding me. The, the players are not happy. Uh, it's, uh, I'll tell you what Tony Clark had to say through an ESPN article written by Jesse Rogers, ESPN staff writer. He said, it's disappointing that we've landed in a place where uniforms are the topic of discussion. Totally agree with that. Each conversation with the guys is yielding more information with what we're seeing and they are seeing a lot. So one of the pictures I saw today essentially is it, they hate the jerseys too. That's the other part of it. They can't stand the jerseys. Like, it's the new material, and the commissioner, Rob Manfred, has been, like, on this thing talking about how their performance jerseys that they're wearing. They're Nike-generated, they're Fanatics-produced uniforms is what they call that. Uh, By Commissioner Rob Manfred said they are performance jerseys, and they were used at last year's All-Star game. Many of the players admit to a lighter feel but have issues with the way they look. Because the fabric is lighter, Clark said, it's a challenge to have bigger numbers and letters. Yeah, from what I've seen, the numbers and letters look. Yeah, the, they look they look cheap. Yeah, they do. They look cheap. They Let's do. be real Amateurish honest. is the word he used. According to more than one player, and some say the eggshell color of the pants, the fabric is the same as last year, is creating see-through vibe. The fit has also come into questions. Will this be good for attendance? Dan Bennigan. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is, what is it? There's an Instagram account that's called like Ian Hap's butt or something like that. Okay. That is nothing but exactly what I just laid out. Mm. And for those Cubs fans who enjoy Ian Hap's outfield play, it's going to be wonderful for them. That'll, that'll help the cause for everybody else. I don't know if this is what we were looking for when it came for major league baseball and wanting to raise attendance is not the idea of leaving a whole lot to be desired. These pants, for those of you who have not seen them, we will find some and send them out at CLE Talking Heads. Uh, you can clearly see the Nike swoosh check mark on the undergarment that is there if they enjoy the compression short yeah. variety. Uh, you can pick out the color a little bit as well if you would like to. Uh, they are leaving nothing to be desired. So here's what I uh, – if I was a player right now, if they're going to make make you wear those, I would be out looking for advertisements – to put on your compression shorts oh, that's that a you good can see idea. right through. Like if I owned a collision company, <laughs> I would say <laughs> I would company. have uh, on the back <laughs> on the back of my compression shorts, it would be rearend.com, rear-ended. Yeah, exactly. As absolutely. in a collision. That's, yeah. Not to be confused with anything else. Nay, nay. And, and if you can see them through the compression shorts, or if you can see the compression shorts through the 
uniform. I don't know how you could get in trouble from the uniform police on that. You're wearing what they want you to wear on the outside. I got to believe that if you're wearing something underneath, that the league couldn't mandate what that is going to be. So I would start selling advertising like That's right now idea. on my compression shorts. That's smart. Yeah, I got the idea from boxing. That's a that's a winner. That's a great idea. Thank you. I mean, you that is the problem that you can see through them. Also, the fit is off. I guess they used to bring in and maybe you would have a backing on this. And definitely BA will have a backing on this at one yeah. o'clock. But they used to bring somebody in who would actually measure you, measure your inseam, measure your waist, all that kind of stuff, and they would produce the pants for those measurements. Well, I guess now that's taking place, or now what's taking place is they've got like four templates, and you fit into one of the four boxes. And as we any, all know, all body types are not the same. And as everyone will tell you who has ever went and bought pants or has ever joined someone else as they have bought pants, you know that that really, really, really isn't the case because. Everybody is built differently. Some places there's extra fabric. Some places there's not enough fabric. And we've run into this with a couple players as well. Don't you think Major League Baseball players should have the best available services for things like pants and and jerseys and and all that? Like, I don't understand why if they went from, you know, having them tailored to their body type, why they would go away from that. And now it also sounds like they're going to have a shortage. And in the ESPN article... Uh, they were talking to one of the clubhouse guys who said he's going to have to go to a local sporting goods store that I'm sure you've heard of at some point uh, to go buy extra baseball pants so that they have some ready in case these really thin see-through pants start ripping when you slide. So that's the part that I wonder. Is it they've supposedly tested all of this stuff and this, it's a new breathable fabric that Nike has produced. So Nike has hit, and this is only going to make them look worse, but for – Nike took over in 2020. They have spent the last couple of years using the old Majestic template. Sure. And putting the Nike check mark on there because Fanatics bought Majestic, who used to have the uniforms right. that I'm sure all of us somewhere in our closets have. Right. So this is the first year that Nike has actually produced their own version of the MLB uniform. Ah, so they and took they all have, of the stuff and, that so that when they disassociated or the the contract with Tiger Woods was over. So they took all of their golf apparel yes. and made it into baseball. So all the yes. leftover golf stuff is now baseball. Now it makes sense. Right. See, now you're piecing this together. In reality, these guys are just playing in khakis. That's that's really what this all boils I, I down get to. It, it all boils all down right. to khakis. Right. But, yeah, so apparently on top of it, according to Tony Clark, quote, there are teams that have pants and jerseys. There are other teams that don't have pants. There are other teams that are supposed to be receiving certain items before the start of the year. There are others that in the event they have an issue with the pants and a player needs a new pair, don't have anything in reserve. You've had four years. Four Can Can we go back years. to the Browns uniforms as a uh, foreshadower of what happened here? But the words that we wouldn't use on the Browns uniforms were poorly made that's true cheap yeah not enough of yeah that's a problem <laughs> see-through i mean the, the jerseys are a little see-through but that's the material right you've had four years to get this right and you mean to tell me that you didn't have one person put on a pair of these pants and put lights on it and go huh so you're a fruit of loom guy are you this wasn't a problem previously. 
Underoos. Good job there, Superman. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Didn't realize you were a designer guy. Good on you. Because whether we want to say, because baseball also has leaked out the fact, well, you know, it is picture day that we're getting some of these. And so the lights are on them and that's causing it. It's not like baseball isn't played under lights. (laughs) They're saying it's because of the photography lights. Some of the excuse might be that. But again, it's not like we don't play baseball under. Wait, what are those big old toothbrush things at our stadium called again? Uh, Lights. Low crud. That's a problem. This is all right. Should I take it? I I mean, I don't know that I want to go here very uh, in in depth on this conversation, but I'm sure there are players that just wear the pants. Well, that's what's happening. So a lot of players are going and getting last year's pants and are just wearing those as of right now. And you can kind of see the differences in the uniform with how the belt loops are and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but on the game yesterday between the Dodgers and the Padres, you can see a lot of the Padres players wearing last year's pants. And I think that's the direction that some of this is going to go for a chunk of it. I just want to take this moment and point out that a professional organization paired up with one of the biggest organizations in the world in Nike to make these uniforms. It took them four years to do it. They're see-through and they don't have enough of them. By that, I mean a professional organization is operating the same way that your local little league does. Ah, I see what you're saying. That's a joke. Like, that is as embarrassing as it gets, is the fact that you are running into the same problems of not having the right sizes that your local Cleveland Little League is going to run into. Of, oh, yeah, well, we don't have any more smalls, so if you wear a medium and just tuck it in, it'll look fine. That's acceptable at the grade school level. These are professionals. You've had four years. You still don't have this down? That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing on Nike. It's embarrassing on Fanatics, and it's embarrassing on Major League Baseball. And what about Chico's bail bonds? Or and you feel it's bad em- for them, too? Well, I mean, they would have. If Chico's bail bonds was in charge of it, they would have ponied up. We would have had everything matching nicely. That's true. Yeah. I mean, we know they're bringing in cash. That's good they're point. doing well. It's a well-played, well-played verse there, my friend. Okay. Speaking of friends. Andrew Brandt, who's been on the show before, is going to join us from Sports Illustrated. Former agent and front office executive for the Packers. A little bit later in the show, we'll ask about these new uniforms with Brian Anderson, former member of the Cleveland Indians then. Now we call him the Guardians. Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menning. Baskin and Phelps, Dan Menigan is in today. Jeff is off. 216-474-0092. We're going to bring in Andrew Brandt here in a second. Sports Illustrated, former uh, agent, front office executive for the Packers. He'll join us here uh, in just a few seconds. I can tell you, I had trouble waking up today, just to be honest with you. It's a a hard turn to go from the morning show back to middays. Well, we're such creatures of habit, you know? I know. I can't. There were three times this week I was up at four in the morning. Oh, I had things going on. I'm sorry but that's all right. That. I mean, I just don't sleep. That's all there is. <laughs> it's good. Really helps out with the sleep apnea. I got to tell you, though, I am looking forward to our next guest because he always rocks it when he's on with us. Former agent and front office executive for the Packers, working for Sports Illustrated. He's Andrew Brandt. He's on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Hi, Andrew. How are you? How you doing, Andrew? Hey, guys. How are we doing? It's a busy time for those of us 
we don't really work on the game side of football. It's the business side of football. It really kicks into gear now. And my background, as you mentioned, I was an agent. I was the uh, financial director for the Packers for many years and now doing media analysis of the business side. It's much busier after the season than it is during the season. It's counterintuitive because people think, you know, it's all about the games, but the games are kind of secondary to uh, what we do. Yeah, it's uh, this is really behind the curtain stuff, right? I mean, this is the best time of the year if you're – well, I, I don't know if it's the best time. How stressful is it when you're sitting in that chair right now and you're trying to figure out cap stuff and you're trying to figure out your roster and how do I keep my own guys and how do I go out and get other guys? I, you know, The more I think about it, I'm, I'm stressed out for you for what you had to go through. Well, I think that, you know, people understand football operations with the coaching side. That's pretty easy to understand. The scouting side and the cap management side is all about the offseason. And when the season starts in September, pretty much scouting and cap management are on to the next year. So like last September, everyone was on to 2024, except for coaches. Um, This is the time of year you build, you architect, you make sure that your team is assembled the way you want it for 2024. And it sort of never dawns on people that this all has to happen early. Like on the scouting side, those guys have been grinding since mid-January, like putting the board together. That happens January and February. And then you know, with the combine and pro days, there'll be a little bit of a tweak, but not much. Pretty much everything's about the same. And then on the cap management side, like you said, going through scenarios and what happens if we cut this guy or keep this guy or extensions or free agency. What happens if we do sign these people or don't sign them? Who are we going to push out? Do they have guaranteed money? What's the dead money? All the different ways that the offseason can go, and you just have to be prepared for everything. So the Browns right now are in a bit of a cap mess, but we know how you know, the, the cap gymnastics that could possibly take place to get them back under. What goes into those cap gymnastics, as everybody has started to call them, to make it that these teams can still spend money in free agent, even though right now it looks a little uglier on a cap number? Andrew, still there? Oh, man. All right, we'll reconnect with him. Andrew, if you can hear us, we're going to recall you. Yep, we'll call uh, you right back. How do we all know that feeling, too, really? I wonder if they're still there. So we're going to give them a buzz back. And it was one of those. I asked that question. I was like, did I ask a really stupid question? <laughs> did I tick him off? And now he just hung up on me because I asked a really dumb question because I bite him. Hey, don't sell yourself short. It was a tremendously stupid question. <laughs> no, I actually thought it was a really good question. I was like, I was like, is he taking time to think about this answer? I thought, or it, was, is he... I thought it was like, oh, God, did I just offend Andrew Brandt? He works for my favorite team. It is one of my favorite people to read when he talks about him. <laughs> I, you know, you don't think about that, like what he had brought up in the first answer about just how much goes on right now that, like, we're not – there's nothing to cheer about, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're cheering, you're at home, you're like, oh, I just read the story. Yay! You know, you're not at the stadium. I, I, it is amazing to me how the NFL, a league that now plays 17 games and then maybe four playoff games, three, four playoff games, can just absolutely dominate the news cycle – for 365 days a year. Do you realize we've had one week off in between the Super Bowl? Okay, next week, everybody is going to meet 
at a stadium and convention center in Indianapolis, and we will have a week of NFL news, all because guys who may possibly be drafted are going to run around in their underwear and that you can't see through, thank goodness, and can actually and are going to lift weights and are going to throw footballs, and that's going to build two weeks of content. And then free agency is going to start, and then that's a good chunk of content that's going through there. And then I'll go a step further. That then the schedule release will come out. We already know the teams I, that I, all I'm these sorry. teams are going to play. I, I'm going to tell you. And then that's I, can I just be, be honest with you? In some ways, I think schedule release is the most overrated thing in the history of sports. It is so because oh, because we know who the opponents are. All right, Andrew's back. Let's bring Andrew back. He is on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Yeah. Hi, Andrew. I got to tell you, Dan is. Dan was like, I think I asked the dumbest question ever when he was trying to get hold of you, and then because we, we couldn't hear you. So, I, where were no, we? No, sorry. That's all. Oh, it's not. Oh, your you're fault. fine, yeah. man. You're fine. I was just yeah, wondering, like, service. I just, you know, just the cap maneuvers are not that difficult when you think about just changing bonus. I'm sorry, changing salary to bonus makes it prorated. That means you only have the prorated portion on your cap this year. You push out the rest. I always call it short-term gain for long-term pain. Mm. And you see teams like the Saints and Rams and Raiders always have to do that. The Browns have relied on Deshaun Watson's contract the past couple of years to create all that cap room. One day they will have a surplus where they can just load the $46 million into that year. But at this point, in their action, they're still pushing out that pain. I want to ask you about some other things going on in the NFL. It feels like here in Cleveland, because of the way Philadelphia's schedule is laid out, that that game two of the season on a Friday night could easily be the Browns and Philadelphia in Brazil. I'm just curious your thoughts on that, what it means for the team uh, to have to make that travel down to Brazil. Um, there's a good chance you know, the, the Browns are going to be on the road for two weeks because we've got a big concert coming up, so – that's going to knock out the stadium for the next week. Um, just just your general thoughts on the NFL trying to play a game in Brazil, and what if it's your team? What does that mean? Well, at the Packers, we resisted, and the entire time I was there, to go to London or go to overseas, London was primarily the place then because it upsets football. People are very rigid and routine, and it upsets the routine. And listen, I don't think it's a big deal with the, the, the way that teams travel. It's hard to believe that's really going to upset things. The good thing about game two, meaning the second game overall of the season, is mm-hmm. that there's a week off before, as you know. There's only three preseason games now. And, of course, you'd have 10 days before the next game. So I don't know. You know, I think this is where we are. We have 17 games now. I think eventually we're going to get to a point where the 17th game for everyone is an overseas game. So this is the natural evolution of that. And the NFL, frankly, doesn't have much empathy for teams complaining about schedule because they all end up being eight home games, eight away games, or whatever it is. So, Andrew, when they're looking to – and Andrew Brandt joining us, of course, from SportsIllustrated.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. The Sunday 7 is always outstanding, a great read uh, along the way as well from Andrew every single Sunday in your email inbox. So – what would be the other countries that could possibly be on there? It'd be a, a place that the 
NFL could look. I mean, they're, you know, Brazil was kind of out of left field for a chunk of us. You know, Mexico City made some level of sense when they decided to hold the Chiefs game there. Of course, London, of course, Germany and all that stuff. Is there like another hotbed of football that we're not thinking of that the NFL would want to go to? Well, it's all about revenue, of course, as it always is with the NFL. We're trying to open up these markets. The domestic market will eventually tap out. You think that's impossible with the incredible infatuation Americans have for the NFL, but media rights are already $110 billion over 10 years. It's gone crazy, but everybody wants more revenue. So where that's going to come from is overseas. Yeah, they've tapped into London. You know, I was involved with the World League and NFL Europe. Barcelona Dragons, they cheered at the wrong times. They did the wave the entire game long. They didn't understand it. They didn't care to understand it. But they're talking about Madrid, and it's a much more sophisticated than it was back then. They're talking about Asia eventually and Australia eventually. And they are frankly jealous of the NBA, where basketball is much more of a global sport than the NFL. And I think it's hard because – American football is hard to understand. It really, I went to the Germany game, Chiefs-Dolphins, in November, and Germany is a sophisticated football audience. But they're looking around like, what, is, what does this mean? A man in – illegal man downfield or two – I mean, they, they're like, what? You know, it's, it's not an easy game to understand, so there has to be a learning curve. Hmm. Um, Andrew, I'm just – I want to go back to something you said in the beginning of the conversation about being an agent. And can you like, can you explain to fans why, you know, we all think about the combine about guys running around in underwear, but there are just so many meetings going on behind the scenes and walk me through it from a, you can either side. I'd like from an agent's perspective, when you're trying to represent a bunch of clients and you're trying to get meetings. And so what is that like? Yeah, well, I'll say it this way. I went, I've, you know, I'm never going back to the combine. I've had my lifetime quota. <laughs> you can't do any more St. Elmo's? You've had enough shrimp cocktails. I was yeah, say, okay. yeah, 20, probably 10 as an agent, 10 with a team. And as a team, I'll just say this, at the Packers, you know, I'm staying at whatever hotel. I would set up shop in the corner of the end zone. I'm sort of the corner of the hotel lobby. <laughs> and, and then I look over there, oh, there's the Chiefs people. And over there, oh, there's the Broncos people. There's the Lions staff over there, different corners of the hotel. I went to 10 combines as a Packer and I didn't see one workout and I was busy as hell Wow! because you have, you have your own agents talking about extensions. You're talking about, unfortunately, pay cuts. You're talking about releases. You're talking about big new contracts for them, et cetera. And then you have the free agent agents where you're, you know, you can avoid any tampering by just talking about, hey, I see your guy's going to be free. What would you be looking for? That's not tampering. And then, of course, I got frustrated because at Packers, we weren't too big into free agency, but I would see our agents for pending free agents be shopping around the whole time. And I couldn't even get on their dance card, and I'm the team that has them. You know, so that was frustrating. As an agent, you have your college kids now, your draftables, so you're selling them to everyone. And then whatever you have in the market, you're really trying to get those meetings with the teams. Sometimes they're uncomfortable meetings, too, because this is when you as an agent or you as a team would sit down with a player that's unhappy, unhappy about 
his situation there, his contract, his team, the way they use him. That's the time to have those meetings. So it's nonstop on the business side. And then, of course, the scouts are all looking at the workouts. Andrew Brandt joining us. That's fascinating in itself that that much stuff is going on there without you even seeing a snap of football. Is that just due to having everybody in the same place at the same time, or are those conversations that are follow-ups to phone calls you've had earlier in the year? I think it's what you said. That's the football convention. You know, a month earlier, as we know, is the Super Bowl. That's kind of the corporate convention on the football side. That's where you get together and you sort of have cocktail parties with your colleagues on the team side and you go to the commissioner's party. Uh, but in the business football side where all the agents are, that's where, that's what the combine is. And I'll say this, you know, the combine is the start of free agency. I just talked about tampering. You know, there are agents for the big time free agents. They leave the combine. They know what, they know what they're doing. They know who they're signing with and for how much that's the reality. You don't walk away from the combine and then go to free agency two weeks later and have no idea. Of course they know. And they'll will pre-qualify the offers. So they'll walk out of the combine knowing I've got three teams that are going to give me 15 a year with a signing bonus of 35. It's done. And then it just becomes which team is going to really step up. So this all happens at the combine. Uh, Andrew, for Browns fans, I'm just curious your take on Andrew Barry and the job that he's done here. And um, can you evaluate? And, and how should Browns fans feel about their general manager right now? It's a tough spot to be in sometimes. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a biased fan because I'll tell you what, I uh, a little personal aside, I have a home at a place called the Greenbrier Resort, and the the, the, Browns, the pseudo home of the Browns, right? Yeah, we. I was there this month, summer. I got to spend some time with Kevin, who's a Philly guy. I'm a Philly guy. We got, got along really well. And, and I was massively impressed with Andrew Barry. Just just a, uh, an easy guy to be with, a guy that is businesslike and, and cerebral, but also understands the football side. And just the fact that they were at the Greenbrier after a tough year the year before – where they could sort of get together early and bond and just have this sort of away experience before they got into real training camp. That was his design. And I was really impressed with him and the whole thing. Listen, this team overperformed. Everybody knows that has the coach of the year. I think everybody's got to feel good about it. That's fair. I, I always, from a fan's perspective, we sit here, we say, Hey, look at the move Andrew Barry made here. Look at the move that he made there. But I don't, you know, we're not watching him on Sunday. We're watching the results of actions with pens on paper, right, to see what he's been able to do. And I, I, I like everything that, you know, there's some t- the Deshaun Watson deal is still yet to be written, right? The history on yeah. this and what it means for the organization. But for everything else, I, I, Andrew seems like he's he's hit all the right buttons. Yeah, and I think you know. Listen, I just praised him. I was, as you know, a huge critic of the team about Deshaun. Not so much signing the player, although that can be heavily criticized, but the fact that they gave him a contract that if you're on the player side, you're like, oh, my God, here we are. We've arrived at Nirvana. But no one has copied it. So Jimmy Haslam has taken a lot of heat from his peers about a fully secured five-year contract, and nobody has replicated it. 
so we've had a pushback from the ownership side about that deal. Not Lamar Jackson, not Joe Burrow, not Jalen Hurts, not Justin Herbert. None of them have approached five years guaranteed. So this has set a mark, and they have been a, a target for people on the management side to say, what the hell are they doing? But everyone's clapped back on that structure. Does that surprise you that no one has matched it? Yes and no. I was, you know, saying this could be the opening. Everybody asks me all the time, why don't NFL have guaranteed contracts like NBA, like Major League Baseball? And I said, because somebody's got to break the seal. And then this guy broke the seal. (laughs) But the owners, you can call it collusion, you can call it business, whatever it is. They decided not on their watch because they don't want to start the precedent that Watson hoped to create. So now it's not precedent, guys. It's an aberration. So maybe folks aren't as mad at the Haslam's as they were when it first happened. Drew? No, probably not. It's a great call. Hey, Andrew, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, Enjoy your time here. And, of course, we're always catching up to see what you're doing. Sports Illustrated, Andrew Brandt. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Andrew Brandt, of course, on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline when we come back. College football playoffs. Could they expand again? Ah, here's a 2020. It is interesting to hear from Andrew Brandt. I mean, it, you get a guy that's an insider. And by the way, we just talked to Andrew. If you missed any of it, you can go to the odyssey.com app and listen to the Baskin and Phelps podcast. Um, Absolutely. And he was outstanding. Because his perspective is so unique. And I don't know that we have shared with the listeners what you I mean. You just said it in the break. I, like, here's a guy that was with the Packers and then. He's the only one that's ever gotten out of the mob. I mean, it's the, the Packers operate like it's the mob. They, they always have. And by that, I mean they hire their own guys. They bring their own guys everywhere they go. I mean, remember when the the Browns hired John Dorsey? What did he do? He immediately went and got Alonzo Highsmith, Packers. He immediately went and got Elliot Wolf, Packers. He immediately went and found other guys along the way. They're like the mob. Like, it legitimately operates like the mob. And it's almost like having Andrew Brandt out there as, as somebody who follows this team, it's like having Andrew Brandt out there is like basically like John Wick leaving the, the the mob and the hitman and all of that kind of stuff and being on the outside and explaining to you what in the world is going on behind those doors. Mm. And that's why Andrew Brandt is awesome. And it's not just because of the Packers. It's because of his understanding of just how business of sports works because he was an agent on top of that. And then he worked on the cap side of things for an NFL team. I mean, that's why it's cool talking to that guy because he's just seen it from every that, single direction. It, it, let me just – because I, I just, this is things I don't think about and then I just started thinking about what you're talking about. As a fan, is the Packers model better for you as a fan or worse than what, you know, the rest of the league is all ownered. Ownered? Is that the right? All has owners. It's so the best way to describe this is through somewhat of an analogy. So I can't, I think it was the Undoing Project, which was a a Michael Lewis book. By the way, are they the only team that doesn't have single ownership? I believe so. Okay. Trying to think of other so public entities. I think it's the Undoing Project. I can't remember the Michael Lewis books flow together, but they're outstanding and, okay. and always worth a read. But one of them in there is he talks about being with Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets, and um, not Fertitta, but whoever was in charge before Fertitta took over. 
And he goes, having the owner in the room is like having the fan base in the room with you because nobody is more invested in this team than the guy who's paying the bills. And so you get the fans' perspective by talking to the owner of the team. And so you miss that when you're a team like the Green Bay Packers because they don't have an owner. You know, they do technically, but they don't have an owner. They've got a board. Right. And the board is completely removed from everything that's going on and very much are like Mark Murphy, who's the president of the Packers. It's like, you hire it, you run the football side, and you go. Brian Gutekunst, you go. You're not going to have an owner who's putting pressure on you. You're not going to have an owner that's questioning your decisions. You're going to have a board that's doing it. And it's a lot of people who aren't as financially invested as having someone who is a fan of the team yelling at you. So is it better as a fan to not have an owner? There's pluses and minuses. The pluses are your off seasons are more exciting because you're bringing in free agents. That's the nice part of having an owner. Owner's going to improve my team, make my team better. Let's get somebody in here who can help me now. Because that's how fans think. How do I make my team better? The downside, you know, of that is that the Packers are very much draft-oriented. We bring somebody in. In the first round, they're not taking the sexy wide receiver. They're taking the left guard. They're taking the center. They're taking a linebacker. It's why it made me laugh for years and years that they were like, oh, yeah, first round, we've mocked a wide receiver to the Green Bay Packers. It's like, right, sure you did. And that's what's going to happen. No, they're going to take a tackle. We know these things. They're going to take a safety. We know these things. Like, there are positives and negatives to it. Gotcha. All right, what else did we get out of this Brandt interview that we just talked about? I thought his international stuff was outstanding, of trying to explain all sorts of the international thoughts right. that are taking place with this. And, of course, you know, the Browns in the middle of it when it comes to going to Germany. Um, a ton of people are pointing to the Browns as the team that are going to join the Philadelphia Eagles when it comes to going to Germany. No, and I, Brazil, you mean. Brazil, sorry. Brazil. And the reason I said Germany is just because that's what Andrew Brand ended up talking about. And yeah. it's so funny because I think listening to this, we kind of get in our own little bubbles and we don't totally realize that like the sport that we all love and the sport that we all follow is really a pain in the butt to explain to people who have never watched it before <laughs> and didn't grow up with it and all that. And it was funny because Andrew Brand had that to say. It's interesting. And, but he was there for, I mean, he, I think he was there in 91. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, the World League of American Football at that point, and then his team lost in the first World Bowl. But that seems so long ago. Um, but he's right. I mean, think of – Yeah, but it takes time. Like, I, I don't know if I've – I think I've shared the story with you before. I, I may have even told the story the last couple of days that when Columbus got the Blue Jackets, and I got to tell you, Columbus was a great hockey town as far as the ECHL, which for, you know, baseball fans would be double-A. And, I mean, they sold out the old Fairgrounds Coliseum over and over and over and over and over and over again, enough so that when the McConnells and the Wolves and, and all those uh, the big money names down in Columbus at the time went to the NHL and said, hey, we want a team in Columbus, that the chill kind of laid the foundation because they it showed it could be a great support town uh, for hockey there. Flash forward to the fact that they got a team. And then they were having an exhibition game. And, man, I can't remember if it was at the Shot and Seed Center or if it was at Nationwide. Probably at Nationwide. It was at Nationwide. And it was a preseason game. And anyone, you know, if you know a little bit about the game, like there are times when a penalty ends, a goaltender will bang their stick on the ice to let everybody know the penalty's over. And it was, it was a moment I was like, I couldn't believe this happened. And I'm like, this is going to be an NHL town. And the goaltender was taking his stick 
and banging it on the ice to let the guys know the penalty's over. Well, as he starts banging it on the ice, the fans start going, and they're clapping along. So, like, they thought that the goaltender wanted the, the fans to clap in unison while they were playing, but yet it's just a, it's a normal part of the game. If you've ever watched it on any level, you know that the goalie's, like, trying to let everybody know the penalty's over. And I'm right. like, man, Columbus has got a long way to go. But flash forward, you know, 25 years, and Columbus is a very good hockey town now. And I look at all the rinks they have around there. and what the, I mean, they've done a fantastic job, the Blue Jackets have, of expanding it. So what, what I'm talking about even here in Ohio is what's going to have to happen overseas if you're going to expand the NFL game. He's right. I, I mean, I think about it. Some, I mean, like, we know the game. Like, I think everybody I'm talking to right now knows the game. Like, you see a flag go and you have an idea of, oh, that was holding or that's a legal man downfield or that's that. I mean, it's it's like a natural muscle memory for us to know. Up, oh, I think it's a hold. I think I like yeah. we all do it, and I'm sure 95 percent of our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. But now, put that overseas, and it's to, it's not only is it a foreign language game, it's even ten times worse because you don't understand what's going on. We grew up with this. We've grown with the game. I don't know how long it's been to the people listening. I don't know how it's been long it's been for you to sit there with someone who has never watched football before and attempt to explain American football to them. I mean, you confuse the snot out of them so quickly. It is so easy uh, to completely befuddle someone on what's taking place on the field. It is a complicated game. As much as we all want to sit here and talk about how simplistic it can be, there's a level of complication to it. I had a very good friend who tried to learn football. She had never really watched it. She never really paid attention to it. And it took her a year and change to get the penalties down and what penalty constitutes what. Then throw in the fact that us, who talk about this every single day, who listen to it every single day, I could start a bar fight right now, very simply by going, what's a catch? Right. Explain a catch. Like, the simplest thing that we could all understand. I mean, that's a 20-minute conversation. What's a catch? What? And then throw in, if you have a fair catch on a kickoff, you can kick from that spot and give up your downs. I have a feeling when you use that 95%, I have a feeling 80% of the listening audience knows what you're talking about on that. And 50 is like, what? That's a thing? And then the great part about it is we end up changing the rules every year anyway because the owners are like, um. We need to protect the quarterback a little bit more. So now holding becomes something different than it was a year ago, much like traveling has changed over the years in the NBA. 216-474-0092. That is the number to call in. Uh, I want to talk about college football, the expansion, the playoffs, what's going on there, and then rights fees stuff uh, with the NCAA as far as the, the players are concerned and using their name, image, like this. So we'll talk about that. Plus, Brian Anderson coming up in a little bit. Brian Anderson, about 20 minutes away right here. Baskin and Phelps, Dan Menigan is in today. All right, we haven't had a chance to talk about this, so I'm looking forward to your uh, your reaction to this. College football what was it on Tuesday. They decided they were going to a 12-team playoff for college football with, um, what, one, two, three, four get buys, then five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, and eight plays nine, plus you'll have home games, which means huh, we're going to see some SEC teams come up north and play some games in December. I hope that's the way it works out. 
um, for the first round. So just and the other thing too is that there are, there is going to be a day. There's a Saturday in December where they will collide with the NFL during these playoffs. So you'll have big time college football and NFL play or NFL games. Sorry, Saturday games that will collide during this uh, time of football, which we've never seen before. I wonder how long that's going to last to begin with. I think they're going to figure out a way that they don't play at the same time. Right. I I wonder if it's... Even if it means the college football game has to start at 11 on that day and the NFL game starts at 4.30 or 5. Yep. I can't see them overlapping. Maybe they do it for a year, but then everybody realizes that's a bad idea because we're splitting a number. So why not split the number when we can share the number? I love it. I love the 12-team playoff. We've screamed for it for a while. I, first round on campus, outstanding. That's the way that it should be. You should at least have that on campus. That That is going to be electric. That's going to be awesome to watch, especially exactly what we're talking about. If LSU has to go to the Horseshoe, or if Alabama has to go up to Camp Randall, or if anything like Florida has to go play at – Illinois, if Illinois becomes a powerhouse, that's going to be worth it. That's going to be so cool to watch the snow coming down as these teams are going against each other at these giant stadiums. I, I'm pumped for that in itself. I, this works. This I am too. Win. I do think, though, we're going to see some blowouts. I think there are going to be 5-12 blowouts. Oh, and absolutely. I also think, like, if 9, 10, 11, or 12 pull off the upset one week and then they have to go up against 1, 2, 3, 4 yeah. in the second week, we're probably going to, you know, even though there's euphoria of winning that opening round game, probably on the road, w- would be on the road. Um, then you'll end up going up against one of the big boys. Right. We're going to run into Tulane be... running into, you know, the juggernaut of team of the year. You know, we're going to, this is going to happen. We all know it's going to be the fact, okay, fine. This is what you sign up for in the same way that you're going to sign up for uh, the one eight series in the NBA, or I should say the one slash bottom winner of the play in tournament series in the same way that you're going to run into the, the one sixteen matchup in the NCAA tournament. Like you're always going to have that be the case, especially if you're going to work off of that uh, five and seven, you know, where you're going to have the at large bids and you're going to let the group of five in there. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. The talent levels aren't the same, but I think overall, this is, this is exactly what we want. This is a win. Um, I, I, I did catch you know, when I was driving home or I don't know if I was driving home or at some point during the day, I heard you guys talking about the formatting system for the 16 or for the eight team. I'm sorry, for the 12 team tournament. Right. And kind of talking a little bit. And I know Jeff kind of chimed in on the 16 team tournament. I, I wonder when this is all said and done, because now they're talking about expanding to 14 and I'm wondering how that'll look and where they'll determine to give buys and do so like right now one two three four have the buys so you know i and i've talked about it before i was lucky enough to cover the old one double a which is fcs and they were they used to be a 16 team tournament Mm -hmm. and to me like when jim trussell was racking up national championships at youngstown state that was a 16 team bracket then somewhere along the line they decided we're going to go to 24 so you've got a 16-team opening round, and then the second round, those teams, those high, there are eight teams that are seeded, they all got buys. And so if you go back and look at this year's, right, that's where you're at. So it's 
16, and then that'll give you eight, and then you move into the next round, and then there's eight more. So you still have, you know, eight more games in the second week, in the second round. Um, I, I don't. I, to me, that's too many football teams. Yes, like I think, and to be honest, I, I was, I heard Jeff say, I think Jeff said 16 was the right number, right? Yeah, I, it was. So now we're, we'll 16, be at 14. If and and the other thing I think we learned too was when they had their big meeting the other day. We're like, we're like, why is this only going to be two years of 12? Because money talks, yep. and if they can get to 14, they'll take two more games. Absolutely. And more than anything, then you can benefit your backslapping bull buddies along the way that you've been taking care of for as long as you have. I mean, that's the other side of this. Is so, like, first round is on campus. Great, it should be. They're getting rid of the restrictions for the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl, all of their bowl well, buddies. Well, the Rose Bowl was the hard one, yeah. right? The, the Rose Bowl, I mean, it took forever for the Rose Bowl to kind of get on board with, hey, there's a chance you may not get a Pac-12. Yeah. Big Ten. But now they have no choice because the Pac-10 doesn't even exist. Yeah, it's the Pac-2. Yeah. Which so. they got a new commissioner, which is good for them. He's a, they're in charge of two teams. All right, so I, but overall, do we think, that, I think this is good for college football. I think it's perfect. This is what we've all been screaming for. The only thing that scares me is I am. I like to keep the playoffs small. I and I know there's boatloads of money in all of this stuff, but like, I'm a small playoff person because I, I don't like the randomness. I don't like the this team caught fire and is now finding its way into the 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 playoff in the final, and then we memorialize them in a way that says this was the best team that year when that's not the case. And so I want the best teams during the regular season to be the best teams at the tail end, to truly be those best teams. And so the more teams you let in, the more randomization you get with it. And that's what I don't care for. You know, so I I looked at, excuse me, I looked at the coaches poll and I looked at AP for the year and you try to kind of juggle, did they get it right? You know what I'm saying? Like how many teams, sorry, wouldn't be in the 12 to get in for next year. And, you know, the coaches and even the AP and, and whatever, you know, they, they figure out for these teams, it was just kind of the ordering of the way things went down. Texas and Georgia were kind of flipped a little bit between three and four. But otherwise, you know, maybe uh, but Florida State was six on both, Oregon, Missouri. It was like there, there's a lot of – um trying to think uh, not comparisons but they, they to pick the teams if you would have taken this year's teams and put them in the playoffs I think they it would have been pretty easy to figure it out Notre Dame finds themselves in a weird spot right right because they're not going to get one of the what is it uh it's five now they won't get an automatic berth because they're not in a conference but I mean they, they built it so they will yeah Notre Dame so. will be in there if Notre Dame is good enough they'll be in there you know, if they win enough games, all that kind of stuff. The the big thing that's going to come from this, especially on the college football side of things, that's going to involve more change than anything, is the fact that we're going to be in a position with the way that these conferences are going. Big Ten, SEC, especially those. There's a lot of big-name schools and a lot of tough matchups and a lot of times we're going to run into situations where we're going to have teams with two losses, three losses, and that's going to be commonplace. And it's not because of the days of old where, okay, we blew through the big 10 East Penn state was the big test. 
Michigan was the big test. Got through those. Life is good. Now it's going to be, okay, here comes Oregon. All right, now you have to face Washington. All right, here comes USC. So then Michigan, then Penn State. Like, like all of these schedules have become harder on top of it. If you look at the teams that were like 10, 11, 12, two losses, three mm-hmm. losses, two losses, three losses. So I would expect it to be that way. You're going to get a three-loss team in there. So I, maybe I, you know, maybe my fear of having a you know blowout in twelve versus five, maybe it won't be as bad as I think it is. No, you know, because the twelve team is still going to be a two-loss team or a three-loss. Maybe uh, it'll be the best three-loss team. Now, when you go to fourteen, you're going to be working your way all all through the three-loss teams. Yeah. That's going to be the part that's interesting is what does it look like when you're making an argument between, and I'm picking a team out of the sky here, a one-loss Coastal Carolina team that played a kind of an easier schedule than what you would expect, or the three-loss SEC team that had to take down Tennessee, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, had those games on the schedule versus the one-loss Coastal Carolina team. That's where it's going to be a really interesting argument, and that is the only place that I could see where maybe you get that one group of five team that's in there, maybe a second group of five team that's in there that might run into the blowout situation that's there because the one-loss Coastal Carolina team that railroaded everybody else on their schedule, well, they should be in there. They railroaded everybody on their schedule. Yes, it was a light schedule. They may have only had one or two ranked opponents compared to, again, Tennessee, where let's say they had to go through Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia. You know, a, a little bit tougher. Here's what you're going to get, and, and let me just I'll, I'll wrap it up at this point. I will never forget Northern Illinois playing Florida State in 2013 and sitting in the commissioner's office uh, with Dr. Steinbrecher and just listening to Kirk Herbstreet rip this game up and down because Northern Illinois got the bid to play in that game. And I was like, I, so now I wonder how this is going to look like next. And then, you know, Herbie was like, well, uh, you know, I'm a big, I'm a Mac guy. You know, I'm from Ohio, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I was sitting there with the commissioner and the look on his face at that point. I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for him because they were getting just annihilated on TV. Meanwhile, Northern Illinois only lost that game 31-10. So when it was all said and done, but we're going to have more games like that. And I'm okay with it because one of these days, Northern Illinois, Kent, Akron, maybe they'll get a shot on that bottom and, and have a chance to get in there, especially if they go to 14. Brian Anderson next, Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. Dan Menigan is in today. Jeff is off. Uh, we are going to bring in a super friend of the show. He is Brian Anderson. We missed him last week, I'll tell you that. And it was uh, it's kind of sad last Friday. We didn't have him on. Not going to lie. Don't break anybody's heart. BA's the best. That's what he does. He's I felt bad. He was blown up the text chain, and I was too busy not paying attention to sports going on. And I got a whole bunch of texts when I got back to the Room last week. I feel bad. Oh, that's right. You were I'm sorry, PA. I wasn't trying to blow you off. I was on vacation. All right. Let's go to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. And there he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Anderson. Hello, BA. What's up, buddy? Well, well, hello, fellas. How we doing? I'm well. And you? 
Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm getting excited, getting back to work. You know, it's funny when our season ends, um, you know, because you just go, 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 go. I mean, it's nonstop. You take a deep breath in late March and say, okay, for the next six and a half months, it, there are no days off. I mean, it's Bill Belichick, no days off. And so off you go. Um, and then it ends and you start to enjoy, you know, your time off. You've got the holidays coming up, you get to do things with the kids. And then shortly after football ends and really right when you're getting down to that week before the Super Bowl, you know, you're down to just one football game. And then there's not a whole lot after that, you know, NBA and, and NHL, but I don't really pay attention to, to, to those sports, uh, NHL a little bit more than the NBA, but I don't pay attention a lot to those sports until the playoffs. And so you've got that dead period. And that dead period is when it really hits you like, okay, you know what? I've enjoyed my time off, but it's time to get back to work. Time to get back to work, time to get back to being productive. And that's about the time that spring training starts. And guess what? That's where we're at. So my question for you is, uh, will the Rays require – there are broadcast teams now to wear new uniforms that you can see through like everybody else. Is wearing. <laughs> no, in fact, we just got a directive that our first, uh, you know, we're going to be broadcasting, I think 10 games. I'm only going to do three of them, uh, but we can wear our, our Bally sports polo shirts that are not see-through. They're actually, they're actually black or red. They're, they're, they're a solid color, but I, I know where you're going yes. and it's pretty, pretty interesting um you know i've not felt the fabric you know the first complaints that came out were players saying you know it felt cheap they don't fit right uh you know they they, the the texture of the shirt itself is different and they didn't particularly care for it i don't know anything about that what i do know is the nameplate i'm not sure i like it you know the, the the letters getting smaller and more curved it's going to make it real difficult for you to read guys' names on the back of their jersey on visiting teams. You know, you've seen some pictures where you're like, okay, I see what it looked like last year and what it looks like this year. That's tough. That's tough to read if he's at a distance where the one from last year would have been easy to read. That I don't like too much. But then you see the pants, the stuff that's coming out with the pants where you can clearly see the piping on the jersey or even right down to the – so the little tag that lets you know what size that jersey is, you can see them through the pants. You know, that's not made up, and that looks so JV. I, I mean, you that has to be fixed. I was wondering what adjective awful. you were going to use. A janky. I thought you were going to go janky. No, I just go straight JV. JV? It's JV. I, I mean, there, there are, you know, you've got, you've got youth travel teams that can put together a uniform better than that. I don't know how in the designing of these uniforms, how that it's not modeled before you put them out for not only production, but distribution. How does someone not put a full uni on and you say, "Uh, I see the tag through the pants. That can't be. That can't be. I mean, that is, it's just, it is so amateur hour. I I have no idea how those made it into uh, major league uh, spring training complex locker rooms. I, I just can't believe it. So the other complaint, B.A., has been the fact that guys were used to, and, and help us out, because I'll speak for Andy on this, I don't think we've ever been fitted for a jersey. The closest we've gotten is probably a suit. Like, I've been fitted right. for a suit once. I know Andy's probably done it multiple times because he's classier than I am. That's not true. But, like, what goes into the jersey? Like, do you, are you typically fitted for those things, or is it one yeah. size fits all? No, no, you get fitted. You, you get an overall size. Okay, I was, uh, I think, a 44, maybe. Um, so you get your overall size, but then you say, Hey, could you take the sleeves up an inch? Um, I didn't like to have a lot of shirt tucked in. 
I, you know, I, I don't, I didn't like to feel bulky down there around my waist. I wanted to feel athletic as I was out on the mound, you know, delivering pitch after pitch after pitch. So I didn't want a really long Jersey, which is typically how they come. Um, I didn't want it all bunched up as I tucked it in. So I would take a few inches off the bottom and maybe an inch off the sleeve. So it wasn't all the way down to my elbow. And that's how I would get fitted. That's, that's how I wanted it. Now my pants, and I'll tell you a funny story. When I actually got traded from Cleveland to Kansas City, at that point in my career, I had been wearing my pants like football pants. Like the, the, the bottom of my, you know, baseball pant barely made it over the tip of my knee. Um, and that, again, that was just to feel more athletic. I didn't want to have pants because I sweat a lot. And I didn't want to have long pants and I'm sweating out there on a the hot summer day. And now it feels like when I'm picking my leg up, I've got a suit of armor on. So I would wear those pants really short and when I got traded to Kansas City, I got a phone call from the clubhouse manager over there, and he said, hey, I'm just calling to confirm here. They're telling me that the inseam on your pants is like 17 inches, 18 inches. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm like, that's right. They're short, but they'll cover my knee. And he started laughing. He goes, yeah, we don't typically see an inseam that short, you know, 30, whatever it was, 34 waist. 18 inch inseam uh, huh? but that's how i wore my pants and that's how they were fitted i keep thinking about whoever had to order jerseys for cc sabathia but i mean he was he I, he always wanted them big i mean bigger than him right and, and he's already big and, he, it, well, and by the way he looks great now i mean he's not he's not as big yeah yeah I don't know. He's a big boy. Well, well, regardless, regardless of the of the weight that he has dropped after you know he stopped playing, he just is a big dude. You know, I mean, just tall, broad-shouldered. I mean, intimidating presence. And like you said, he loved those baggy jerseys. I don't get it. That's why everybody's different, and that's why they tailored those uniforms to your fit. Because I couldn't stand a baggy uniform. I wanted everything to be like tight is not the right word, but I wanted it to be because um, you, you did want to have mobility and feel athletic, but I didn't want baggy. I didn't want stuff moving around, which is why I wore the pants the way I did, why I had the Jersey done like I did. And um, you know, but other guys, Hey, they, they didn't seem to affect him. You, know, <laughs> you look at his career numbers. Did, did your uniforms feel different though, depending on the team you're playing or was it the only thing different was the logo that was on there? Uh, yeah, it, it was all the same material, and I'll tell you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and the stuff that they've had recently, the jerseys, you know, when I went and did Guards Fest uh, a couple of years ago, they had jerseys made up for us. With the, They were the jerseys that the players used. And what a phenomenal fabric. That's why I'm real interested to come across one of these new ones and see exactly what they do feel like because I was so jealous of what they were playing in last year and the year before. That material is so light. I'll bet you, I'll bet you it's less than half of the weight of the jerseys that we wore. Mm. I mean, our wow. jerseys, I, I, I would have to, they were, they were, you know, the old jerseys, but, you know, they were heavy. They were a heavy fabric. And I'm going to tell you something. I can remember multiple times, you know, pitching in Cincinnati in July. And, you know, listen, I, again, I'm a sweater. And I would have to go up and physically change out my uniform midway through the game because it would get so wet and it didn't have any of that, that wicking fabric that made that wet go away. When it got wet, it just got heavier. And like I said before, it felt like I would be pitching in a suit of armor. So I would go up and change my jersey. Sometimes I'd have to change my pants because when they got wet, they got heavy. 
the stuff that they're playing in now and not, not these new uniforms, because I don't know anything about them as far as what their, what their consistency is. But what I have stumbled across over the last couple of seasons, boy, oh boy, lightweight, you put them on and you're like, I don't even feel like I have a jersey on. I, I'm like, I'm so jealous. I would love to have pitched in these types uh, of uniforms. And, and now they've gone and changed them. And, and again, it doesn't seem like anybody's real thrilled about it. Brian Anderson, current Rays color analyst, of course, former Indians pitcher, joining us on the North Officer Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, B.A., so we are in training camp. Of course, we are past pitchers and catchers. All the teams are here. You're starting to get games taking place this weekend. What typically is happening in, in uh, spring training right now for all the pitchers, and how are you guys getting ready? Well, you're, you're starting to ramp up uh, the number of pitches. You know, guys come into camp now ready to go, and, and we did too. You know, you came in, you've thrown off the mound a couple of times before you got to camp. And, you know, the first couple of times off the mound, it was a bullpen session, an extended bullpen session. Then you would go into, you know, intramural games. So you would go out there and throw an inning against your own hitters. Um, and it's kind of like training camp of football. You get sick and tired of seeing the same guys, although, you know, you're out there working on things as, you know, as a pitcher to get ready. And, and now it starts the ramping up process. So if you're a starting pitcher, probably your first outing uh, when you go out there in, in a game this weekend or beginning of next week, wherever you slot in the rotation, you'll go two innings or 30 pitches. That's kind of, you know, the, the, the gold standard is a 15-pitch inning. Now, how many guys do that consistently over the course of a season? Not many, but that's the gold standard, and that's kind of how it gets set up in camp. Two innings or 30 pitches three innings or 45 pitches, and you, you ramp up that way. Now, we used to get out to where we'd get an outing of like six innings and then back off, and your last outing would be maybe four, and you'd finish up in the bullpen, and then off you would go for the season. They do it a little bit slower now. You, you know, the, the guys aren't ramping up and throwing six innings in a preseason. They don't throw six innings in a regular season game. So how many times are they going to do that in a spring training game? So if the, the ramp up is a little bit slower but they ask a lot more of these guys as far as max effort on every pitch all the time. So they have to take it a little bit slower with them. And, but that's all it is. It's just building on each subsequent outing. You went an inning in two thirds last time and you got to 32 pitches. Well, okay, let's try to get through all the way through three in 45 pitches. And, and you just keep building that way until you're, you know, you're out far enough to the, where they feel comfortable of, you know, sending you out there in a regular season game and, and everything, trust me, unless there's a setback or an injury where you have to, you know, take a, a couple of days off, everything is mapped out for you to be ready to go in the regular season when it's going to be your term, your time to pitch. That's why anytime you hear about a little bit of a setback, it's like, uh Oh, he may not be ready for opening day because now he's off schedule. He may be a week behind. So they may have to move him down in the rotation. You know, they, they can play with it different ways. But it's just a slow burn and a slow build until until the season starts. All right, I, I want to talk and, about and and, and and hitters on a cups. You know, this has become more in vogue nowadays for hitters. But now I, I saw the other day, like Shohei Otani, he wants 50 at bats in spring training. So how does he get his 50 at bats? You know, how do they piece those out to where he gets? You know, he said that he would feel good going into the regular season having had 50 at bats in spring training. And every hitter is like that. So then it's all about the manager piecing together the lineup to, you know, get that hitter, his subsequent, you know, his, his the number of at-bats that they feel that he needs to be ready for the regular season. Um, meanwhile, with, you know, a, a huge roster that they're dealing with. 
I, I want to ask you this. Okay. The Diamondbacks made the World Series last year with 84 wins, right? Yeah. Yes. If you're in the front office, do you feel the need or the pressure now? I guess it depends on which division you're in. But the pressure to have to get to 90 wins, to 95 wins, to get to 100 wins, when we see that the expanded playoffs can have an influence like that if you're in the right division. So, like, I keep looking at – at um, I look at the Guardians and I look at power rankings and they're like 20 or below. But when I go back and look at who's around them, they're either the second or third team in the central. And it makes me think, well, I mean, if they're in it towards the end, they could be good and they don't have to win 92 games to get in the playoffs. Do you think the Diamondbacks getting to the World Series with 84 maybe made front offices think maybe a little bit differently about the way they're putting teams together? I, I would think so. I, I mean, look at some of the free agents that are still out there and available that teams don't, don't feel like I have to go out and break the bank again for this guy. We feel, already feel we've got a pretty good team. Now they'll end up signing, you know, somewhere, but that really is an interesting wrinkle that was thrown in last year. And how many times have you heard someone from the front office, you know, with a little quip of, Hey, it's just, just get into the tournament, just get into the tournament. Yep. Cause you never know. That's how these analytics departments are built is, you know what, the, the playoffs to them, you know, on the surface is a crapshoot. It's a crap, just get in. Just get in and you never know. Well, the Diamondbacks proved that last year. Did anybody have the Diamondbacks anywhere near the World Series? Did anybody have the Diamondbacks in the playoffs? But they did. They got in and they ran right through it. I, I beat some really good teams along the way. So I, I guarantee you that as, as much as the analytics calculus is already – you know, in that direction, just get in, that just kind of further cemented its status as, like we told you, just get in. Do what you got to do to get in. Yes, you want to build a strong club, but I think now, and especially with the Rays, because the Rays gave up a lot of experience, and if you're going to say guys, you know, name players, like a guy like Tyler Glass now, and, you know, you know these guys, they've been around, they've got a track record for a lot of younger guys that are going to fill in all of those spots. So you look at the Rays roster and you're like, boy, there's a lot of names that you don't really recognize. But what you do recognize is they've got quality and they've got depth. So that's what these teams are doing is trying to build depth because they know that there's going to be attrition. They know that there's going to be injuries. You need that guy to be able to step in and there's no drop-off or no noticeable drop-off. And so that's what these teams are doing now. And that's trying to improve your, your team around the margins. But back to your point, I, I definitely think that that just kind of, you know, just proved that that kind of thinking of just get in, you never know, uh, is, you know, it's not going away anytime soon. B.A., if you're one of the Boris Four, and for those of you who don't know who that is, so that's Matt Chapman, uh, the third baseman, played for the A's, played for the, the Blue Jays. Blake Snell played for the uh, Dime, or, uh, oh my gosh, played for the Rays, played for the Padres as well. Cody Bellinger was with the Cubs, with the Dodgers, won a world or uh, MVP with them, and the fourth one being Jordan Montgomery. Are you freaking out right now? I, you know, it wouldn't be comfortable for me. It wouldn't be comfortable for me. I don't know if this generation of player is different because, you know, because of the social media aspect, a lot of these guys know each other a lot better than we did back in the day when you had phones that hung on the wall in your house and your cell phone flipped, you know, it, it, it was different back then. You, you didn't, you didn't have the kind of camaraderie 
around the league like these guys do now because of social media. So maybe because that would bother me to number one, not have a team and number two, to just get thrown into this team halfway through spring. You know, these guys have already been out there going through the drills, putting all the hours in, spending the time together, going to dinner, getting to know each other, you know, reconnecting. And here I'm just going to drop in when the games have already started and, and start ramping up. You know, you feel like an outsider. I don't think these guys feel that way, though, because, I, again, the social media aspect of things where, you know, I, I'm sure that there's a little bit of angst, but I think there, there would have been a lot more angst, you know, back in the day. There's no question. But right now, the asking prices of these players, teams are not willing to meet them. And so it becomes, you know, it, it just becomes a little uh, a game of chicken where all of a sudden, you know, you know that there are injuries that happen during camp. You get a big high-profile injury on a team that's expected to contend. Uh-oh, now you start looking at Blake Snell and, and Jordan Montgomery, you know, to, to bring in. And teams, consequently, are sitting back there going, these guys have to be getting antsy. We're waiting for their price tag to come down. That's not something that usually goes hand-in-hand hand with a Scott Boris client. The, the price doesn't come down. The number of years may come down with opt-outs. You know, they, they could get creative in how they do these contracts. But, uh, you know, it's got to be it's got to be unsettling for those guys, but maybe not quite as much as it was back in the day. B.A., as always, thank you. Good luck with spring training and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Talk soon, bud. Uh, sounds good, boys. Have a great weekend. All Thanks right. Too. He is Brian Anderson, former Indians pitcher, Guardians, whatever you want to say right now at this point. But more importantly, he is the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays on television. Uh, we were ready for a 2020, but I want to remind you, Brian, brought to you by uh, was, was on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Hotline. All right, now it's time for a 2020. He's Dan Bennett. I'm Andy Baskin. Um, Jeff is off today, so it's not Baskin Phelps. It's like Baskin and Bennett today. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Two one six. Four seven four double zero ninety two. We just got off the line with Brian Anderson. Um, outstanding stuff, especially like expectations of organizations. Now that you know that a team can make it to the World Series with like eighty four wins, and so I think that's one of the the things that you can look look towards. I guess maybe during the season to try to size up where your team is and how much your front office is going to go all in, knowing that there's a way to perhaps make it into the World Series or even into the playoffs, just get in, right? That's what Brian said. It's become – and baseball's always had a level of randomness to it. I mean, we could point to the, the Kansas City Royals. We could point to the, some of those Giants teams that have won. There's always been that level of get in the dance and figure out what happens then. Right. But it feels like this – the last couple of years with the expanded playoffs, it's only gotten more random, which upsets me. It really does. All right. Well, while we're talking about spending money – a little bit of good news, I think, for the Browns well, today. Very, very good news. So you've heard in the updates, uh, the NFL has released the cap for next season. Uh, the cap for next season, for all of you out there, make sure you get your pens ready, piece of paper, $255.4 million will be the NFL salary cap. Now, why does that matter? Dan Manigan, why does that matter? Well, because it's the largest hike we've ever seen. It's gone. We knew the cap was going to go up next year. Now it has gone up way more than we thought. In fact, last year's cap was $224.8 million, meaning about $30 million in a cap hike this year. 
Now, you're yeah, asking again, I'm going to ask the next question. How does that affect me as a Browns fan? Well, sit down on the magic carpet, Andy, and I will tell you. Because the Cleveland Browns were looking to be about $30 million over the cap, give or take. Now, with this new number, they are only $6 million over the cap. So, in other words, getting under that number, plus whatever you're going to roll over, is a lot less work and a lot less kicking the can down the road and a lot less of finagling and moving things around and the cutting of players and the renegotiating of contracts and all that stuff. They could still do all of that and have way more money to play with than they thought going in. This is way higher. This cap number is higher than pretty much anybody guessed. From what's being rumored out there, including the teams themselves, this number is a lot higher. And now those numbers coming from according to, or from uh, underthecap.com, or over the cap, I should say, .com, 6.2 mil. The Browns are over right now, and that's pretty easy to get under. That's, that's very simple. I, you would think that that just comes in renegotiating Deshaun Watson's deal, right? I mean, that, that's Renegotiating Deshaun Watson, renegotiating Denzel Ward, renegotiating Miles Garrett, turning their signing bonuses or turning their salaries into cash out the door. As long as Jimmy Haslam's okay with cutting checks, you will can constantly make this work. It's just a matter of if your owner is okay with going, all right, here's your check for all this money right here. Take care of yourself. That's, that's what this comes back to. But this makes it easier because this makes it that you don't have to make those hard decisions that everybody was kicking around earlier you know, all the, you know, the nonsense that was going, oh, well, the Browns may have to move on from Nick Chubb. Well, that's out the window. That's gone. Eliminate that idea from your mind. They don't have to do squat with that. Well, maybe they may have to move on from David Njoku because he makes some money. Well, that's gone, too. The fact that this is 30 mil over, that throws that out the window. The Browns can roll this back. They can play with some of the numbers, and they will be able to be a player in free agency. The only thing that this also does is that it makes all the other teams more players in free agency with the fact that this is higher than is expected. So like the Chiefs right now, with this number, are $27 million under the cap. Mm. The Eagles, $32 million under the cap. The Steelers, $7 million under the cap. So it gives everyone more room to play with. Uh, what does this do as far as trying to re-sign your own free? Like, Zadari Smith, I keep talking about. I want them to re-sign him. Z would be awesome. So, but what does this mean then? Does this give them the opportunity? And then I guess you kind of have to figure out. Are you going Austin Powers on me? Well, I'm What does it all mean, Basil? What does it all mean? <laughs> no, I just. When you take this. So, now you've got to figure out what the big pool of money is on the renegotiation, Right. So and then that gets you under, so you can resign right. your own free agents and get yourself into a position where you can get back to where you want to be. Okay. Yep. Oh, hundred percent. This is this is great news for the Cleveland Browns because this makes life easy. This makes it that you don't have to make hard decisions. You don't have to look at a Nick Chubb contract and go, okay, maybe we can try to get him a contract extension coming off the injury. Now this makes it that it's just, all right, Nick Chubb's here. Life is good. Good. Right. David Njoku's here. Life is good. We know you're not making hard decisions. That's what this number tells you. And that's the best news that any Browns fan can ask for because we were going down this road of a lot of ugly things that were being kicked about that I was ready to come on these airwaves and go, what the hell is wrong with all of you? Stop it. 
David Njoku is staying here. Nick Chubb is staying here. Stop it. Stop going to hypothetical. So that's land. done. That whole conversation's done. Because I Good night. Ken was like Ken was sick yesterday. This discussion came up on the morning show when I was filling in uh with and with Jonathan and like people were getting angry because somebody from Pro Football Focus had said, Hey, maybe there's a chance that David Njoku could be a cap casualty. Now it makes it sound to me like if the Browns can avoid cap casualties, then most teams are going to be able to avoid cap casualties. This year. Exactly. So this, that's the thing with it is it's, it's great news for the Browns, but it's also great news for the league. Like for example, the Bengals are now looking at 72 million under the cap. So everybody's playing. Mm-hmm. Everybody is now a player in free agency for everybody, which again, good news for the Browns. Cause you don't have to cut anybody. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to make any hard decisions. Bad news because everybody else is going to be in the pool with you. All right. Interesting. Um, I want to go back and talk about a little bit what Brian Anderson had to say. So we'll do that when we come back here in a second. And uh, just a little bit more baseball because I want to get into that. 216-474-0092. Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 